Blog Talk Radio. Well, we wait and wait and wait for the theme music to start. And, you know, I'm going to take this to episode 200 and then take a break, just take a interim and then reformat the structure of the show. And what I'm going to do is pre-record the first 30 minutes of the show and upload that as an audio file and just let it auto-play. And I'll sit back and read a book or something during the first 30 minutes of the show. And I won't have to deal with this blog talk radio. The chat's not working right now. And there it is. There's the theme. And I'm just going to be quiet for a moment. have to worry about these glicks. I'm just going to upload it as an audio file. I'm going to completely reformat the show and restructure it. And I'm going to turn myself into a uh, Russian and talk like this. But we'll do a lot of different things and not have to deal with these glicks. And I want to try to open the chat again and the chat. Nope, no chat. Sorry about that. This is oops. We're trying to work with this. I think the uh, Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour also did not have a chat. So we didn't have that either. Um, so we have uh, basically a 90 second delay in trying to get the uh, theme music going. We don't have a chat. We're paying for premium service. I don't know what we're paying for. I blame I blame the White House. It's the White House. It's the uh, argument that's going on between both parties. Who's running the country? I don't know. I have no idea. I would run the country. Elect me president. I would run the country. I'd eliminate the bipartisan system. There would be one party, the John St. Germain party. I would declare myself Emperor Norton II. I would run the country. There would be no argument whatsoever. As soon as people started arguing politics on social media, I would just freeze it. I'd say, nope, everybody go home. No argument politics, no And by God, as soon as they argued it in church, I'd shut the church down and start taxing them. So there you go. There would be a separation of church and state. So I have ruled all hail Emperor St. Germain. Tonight, we're going to talk about the tarot. We're going to talk about the chariot in a little bit. But first, let's talk about our crystal of the the month. (laughs) Because I'm doing about one show a month now, aren't I? I had to rest after the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. The airlines about killed me. And um, uh, shall I tell you that story? I won't. I'm putting it behind me. But the airlines about killed me. It took me 24 hours to get from Knoxville to San Francisco and almost 24 hours to come back. And I wound up driving back from Charlotte to Knoxville because the airlines, they just don't care anymore. Um, Then I came back and I had to work, 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 work. So I was very tired and I had to rest a little bit, but I'm back now. And our crystal of the week is the, is tanzanite, and uh, this is a very pretty violet crystal. And uh, the violet crystals are very special, I think. Um, we uh, we start getting into the upper chakras when we start working with violet. And um, uh, tanzanite are, are very deep violet. Uh, we start getting into um, uh, very rich, deep, bluish-violet when we start working with tanzanite. And be very picky about your crystals. Uh, uh, I know people that are very cheap with their crystals, but be picky with these are very important tools. And uh, uh, you can get high-vibration tanzanites that will just electrify you. Um, 
and these are very strong stones to help you develop your psychic powers. They they do harmonize and vibrate to the crown chakra and the third eye. And um, these can jumpstart and accelerate your uh, spiritual growth. And the thing is with tanzanite, they, they seem to vibrate. Uh, they connect the third eye and the crown chakra all the way down to the throat chakra and the heart chakra. And um, so um, apparently it's called Tanzanite because the only place you can find this is in Tanzania. And um, you can find them in a number of colors. They're blue and purplish blue. Sometimes they're colorless. And sometimes they're yellowish brown or grayish blue. The most popular ones are the deep violet um, stones. They're prismatic. They twinkle. Um, and uh, at one time they were hard to find. They were rare, but you can now find them. Just get online and find them. Uh, go to any rock shop and you can find them. And um, uh, even though they're purple and they uh, harmonize to the third eye, the crown, um, they do seem to work uh, in activating the heart chakra as well, which normally works with pink and green. And uh, it is felt to believe this way because uh, I'll tell you a very controversial uh, thing about chakras. Originally, in chakra teachings, the chakras are not positioned as you see them in books, you know, the seven chakras. Um, they were not positioned there when you're like when you're born with fingers and toes positioned anatomically the chakras were, are, were not originally taught uh, in that position you're not born with them there they were placed there by meditation which means you can place your chakras anywhere you like if you look in some books there are 30 chakras 33 hundreds of chakras sometimes the chakras are shown under your arm the Tibetan model of chakras uh, start on your forehead and wrap around your back um, so this idea that there are seven chakras that you see in all the uh, books and that these are immutable and immobile originally was not so. When um, Western translations of the uh, Indian and Tibetan texts begin to talk about Kundalini and Kundalini began to be mistranslated as serpent energy then this idea that these chakras were immutable and immobile and fixed became prevalent but I will tell you that in the early teachings that was not so so no um, they were not so um, and um, so there's a higher heart chakra that um, between the heart and the throat chakra that this violet crystal seems to activate. Um, we we talk about Tibetan teachings quite a bit. There's a Tibetan teaching that the voice in your head can actually be, is actually in your heart. Very interesting. I'm, I'm kind of rambling right now. So what we are concerned with, though, is that Tanzanite can activate your psychic powers. Clairvoyance, clairaudience, astral projection, um, you name it, this can activate it. Uh, if you make an elixir of it, do put it in a piece of glass or something and immerse that. Um, I just don't think it's a good idea to use uh, any stone as a direct infusion. You can get bits and pieces of it in the water and drink it, and uh, I don't. some of these things are just not very good for you. Plus, some of the stones just dissolve. So let us uh, leave our tanzanite behind, and we'll move on to our topic, which... Um, Tonight we're going to talk about the chariot, and um, before we do that, though, we're going to uh, go to the Crystal Silence League uh, prayer page and do some prayers. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Crystal Silence League was founded around uh, 1917 by a magical adept, Claude Alexander Conlon, for the purpose of um, projecting positive prayer and affirmation through the agency of the crystal ball. And uh, he taught the four branches of crystallomancy, 
and I'm delighted to let you know that we do have a uh, new book called Cri Secrets of the Crystal Silence League that you can buy through our gift shop. If you go to uh, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you can see all these various pages. Uh, when Mr. Conlon went into the silence around 1954, the League went with him, but uh, the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches brought it back online on the Internet, and that's where we are now. So we have a, a, a chain of churches under our umbrella, one of which is Divine Harmony Spiritual Church. And uh, if you go to the AISC or the AIRR websites, you can find links to all of our churches. And... Um, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church was uh, the first, our mother church, and we have several now. You'll see a page of prayer requests, and you'll see a gift shop. And with any purchase of $12, you get this book free. It used to be $5. We had a smaller book. Now we've got a bigger book. This book will teach you many secrets of the Crystal Silence League, how to project, how to receive, how to heal, how to scry. We have another book that I wrote called uh, Crystal Magic, Scrying and Spell Work and Healing with uh, Crystals and Crystal Balls, and another book called Lithomancy, How to uh, Practice Divination and Spell Work with Crystals and Coins and other things. So we just have all kinds of books for you. But for now, let us look at the prayer requests, and uh, we get easily 100 to 200 of these a week and I read some of these aloud every week not not all of them it take I'd be reading 24 hours a day if I read all of them and I just don't have time for that I don't have the voice for it either so I invite you with your crystals or your water glasses or your scrying balls or whatever you use to join me in prayer for the following people prayer ID 83518 who prays, our dear Heavenly Father, Lord in heaven, I ask and pray that the evil neighbors living in the house next to the duplexes as well as the evil woman leasing that house are finally made to move out. And they move far away so they can't cause any more trouble for us or the other neighbors. And they are prevented from harming any pets and animals in the neighborhood as well. I say this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And prayer ID 83516, who says, Oh, helpers of good blessings, help me to secure the wonderful job I am seeking that is near. It is a job of my profession that I feel that God has guided me all my life to perform. I ask good for that opportunity to use my skills to help others and be a part of a team of healers and helpers in the medical field, but mostly to remain strong and hopeful and be grateful for the privileges granted by the highest to be chosen. As for this purpose, I ask God and the Holy Spirit to bless me in this. Amen. And prayer ID 83515, who prays, please pray that I hear from Jay to know that he is okay and for us to continue our friendship. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 83514. He says, Greetings to all dedicants. I'm humbling myself before God and all of you crying tears of desperation. Needing God's intervention for my daughter's academic success, you need 60% to pass street law on Wednesday. 1,400 hours. May favor locate her may grace and mercy locate her may holy spirit guide her during studying as she prepares for this exam may her paper be marked with extreme leniency and pass outright may she not rewrite any module may she graduate at the end of this year in jesus's name amen and prayer id 83513 who says my thyroid has been giving me problems again not sure what it's doing Please pray that God lets me and my doctors know what it is by the end of the week, but pray that God keeps me safe and that he protects me from thyroid storms and cancer. Just pray that he lets me know what it is. Amen. And prayer ID 83512. My daughter is having a horrible time with her epilepsy. She is forgetting to take her meds and hates that she has epilepsy. I think that is why her social life is tanked. 
Please pray that the epilepsy goes away immediately and she doesn't have to take meds anymore and she can have a healthy, epilepsy-free life. Thank you in advance for your prayers. Prayer ID 83510. I want and need to win the trip giveaway to Florida so bad because I have never won such a wonderful trip from anywhere. Any trips available to me, let me be the winner, please, for once in this lifetime. I need this to heal my body and regain my strength. June, July, or August, I need power, prestige, fame, and fortune. Once again on my job, block those haters off me. Thank you. Prayer ID 83509. Please pray that I will get my deposit back from the bad lawyer. Amen. Prayer ID 83506. I pray for my children's father, DMM, to return to me, not just to be physical, but emotionally as well. No more fleeting physical encounters and half-truth promises, but wholeheartedly joined together again. Prayer ID 83504, I'm calling on you, Lord, to bind him, to blind him, and to keep my family and our animals safe from the evil, to pay my husband, and to allow us rhyme in the name of Jesus Christ, to make the Gifi, Gifei, uh, the Gifei, see the battery and realize it is not his, to have, the, have him apologize and make him pay tenfold for his treating us like we're in the wrong when he is in the wrong. In your name, Lord, please keep us safe from evil. Amen. Let's have a moment of silent prayer and affirmation for all those in need of comfort. Amen. And Lord bless Blog Talk. Why can't the beginning of the show play as easily as the middle of the show? Like that. I just hit that button, it plays. I hit the button at the beginning, it doesn't play. Hallelujah. Hey, we're talking about the tarot. We've made it all the way to the chariot. And at this rate, we may finish the major arcana by Christmas. We'll we'll try to we'll we'll try to expedite things. The chariot is a very interesting card. Um, uh, Many practitioners of divination uh, talk about it being a journey. Um, Does it? Does it? I'll uh, let us go into it. Let us look at it. Um, Now, the earlier versions of this card. you know, we're, we're looking at the Rider weight deck, that classic deck that many people has, have moved away from because they say, oh, everybody reads it. Everybody reads it. Well, do they? Do they? Or do they just 
use, you know, what I call popular uh, transliterations. And I'm going to rant and rave about something that I found pernicious and uh, annoying about about that particular uh, about a particular way of reading tarot. But we'll we'll go on about that if I have time. If I have time, I'll use it next week. But this earlier version of uh, the chariot shows the chariot pulled by two horses rather than the two sphinxes or sphinx eye um, uh, in the Rider Waite version. So. There's a whole lot of historical and mythological reasons for this. Primarily, um, it comes out of the Roman processionals um, for the idea of a conquering hero. This is somebody returning from a, uh, a quest of conquering. A, uh, uh, they've gone out, they've conquered, and they're coming back in triumph. Um, his chariot carries it through the streets that were filled with cheering citizenry, people cheering his uh, triumphant return from uh, raping and pillaging uh, the uh, uh, countryside of other uh, states and countries. Um, so this addresses the need for affirmation uh, of accomplishment. You know, perhaps the hero comes back from his quest, his odyssey, and his affirmation, acclamation of his accomplishments. He wants to show off his loot. Behind him would be the soldiers or the porters carrying the spoils of war. And we still practice it today, um, thousands of years later, don't we? The astronauts returned as a ticker tape parade. Uh, presidents, generals uh, going down the street, the Pope. Everyone, we honor our heroes with a parade, even symbolically, Mardi Gras, the Mardi Gras parades, where we have a symbolic ritual honoring our heroes. So the chariot, in a traditional sense, implies more than a greater victory. Um, it shows mastery, because to drive a two-horse vehicle at full speed requires total control over the animals, right? The activity serves as a, a, a practice of total will. And um, in ancient literature, Plato and his writings refers to the mind as a chariot drawn by a black and white horse, which is what we see in almost every version of the chariot. this image from Plato. Now, is this a coincidence? I don't think it is. The chariot is a reference to the platonic description of the mind as a chariot drawn by a black and white horse. I have never, in the hundreds of readings I've gotten from other practitioners of the tarot, ever had anyone refer to the chariot as a metaphor of the mind. As, a, as, as uh, described by Plato, never. And yet, there it is. Now, in the uh, Mahabharata, <laughs> I told you this was going to be academic. In the Mahabharata, the Hindu uh, creation uh, myth, which is enormous. If you've ever read that thing, put aside about a year to read it. Uh, in the Mahabharata, there's a section where which tells of Shiva destroying uh, um, a city of demons. And to do so, there, there was a requirement. He, made, he, he uh, gave a proclamation that all creation be subordinated to his will. He said, I will destroy the city of demons. There were three cities of demons. He said, I will do this, but all creation, uh, in exchange, all creation had to be subordinated to my will. So the gods said, oh, all right, yeah, but, you know, we got to, Get these, you know, these demons were a bunch of lowlifes. They were wrecking everything. Um, kind of like the city of Detroit is today. Uh, they said, okay, we'll destroy it. And uh, what do you need? He says, well, I need a, this chariot. And the gods said, okay, give us the specifications. Well, 
the materialist included not only themselves, all the gods, but the heavens and the earth as well as materials. The sun and the moon became the wheels of this mighty chariot, and the winds became the horses. So, on the front of the Rider Waite chariot, we see um, this very strange symbol. And I've heard a lot of people try to describe what this is. Many people think it's a dreidel, uh, you know, the little top that you see in Hanukkah, but it's not. It's not a dreidel. A dreidel is, uh, is four-sided. Uh, a dreidel has four sides. This is not. This looks more like a nut and a bolt, but uh, a wheel or an axle. And it's more closely, symbolically, uh, the linea the mignoni, which stands for Shiva, the masculine and feminine combined. Do you see how this starts to make more sense? The symbols of the chariot, which harken back to the uh, Mahabharata and Plato. We're looking at the world conqueror here at this point. These symbols of the chariot. More to this than just a journey. A lot more of this. This is the symbol of will. I told you this is going to get academic. So Linya Mignoni was Shiva and, and Parvati, the ultimate masculine, the ultimate feminine in, in Hindu mythology, united in a single figure. So with these, through these mythical images, we learn that spiritual victory over evil comes when we can focus all of nature, as well as all the unconscious energy embodied in Shiva himself through the conscious will. So these two fables show two different aspects of this idea of will. The uh, the mythos of Shiva speaks of a true victory in which the spirit is found to focus to release his total force. Because remember, Shiva's chariot was all of creation. But Plato's story, Plato's metaphor of the chariot, the mind is chariot, gives us an image of the ego triumphant. The ego controls rather than resolves the basic conflicts of life, Right? So these tarot commentators who see these cards as a group of separate images, each one contributing some aspect, some commentary um, on life, give the chariot its wider meaning. They point out that the Kabbalistic title for the number seven, which has many spiritual uh, connotations turns out to be victory. So, in many places um, in the world, horses are associated with death and funerals. And so, when the rising um, patriarchies in the world um, uh, said, "Hey, this thing, this practice you have, where uh, the king is sacrificed at the end of the year to uh, produce a harvest, we're not going to do that anymore." Uh, horses became killed instead. There's a ritual sacrifice of a horse. So the horse sacrifice uh, became a very holy event. And this became associated with immortality. And in some societies, a bear was sacrificed. A bear was raised from birth, raised as part of the family, as a god. And the horse was considered a god and when it reached a certain age, it was sent back to heaven by being killed and in some cases eaten, as the bear was. So even today, in many countries, horses are used to pull the coffins or the, or the chariots containing coffins of kings and uh, great leaders. Um, now, I'm reminded of a story that I read somewhere about John F. Kennedy. Of course, he was killed during a parade, a triumphant parade, in riding his own chariot, right? And then his coffin during the state funeral was pulled by a horse 
and as I recall, the fu the funeral procession. This was very long ago. The funeral procession was disturbed because the horse rebelled against the uh, the uh, person leading him. Yeah, at some point I I need to uh, review that because the irony of the chariot, Kennedy's uh, triumphant Kennedy's funeral, the the, the parallel of the, uh, the chariot during his triumph, his assassination, and his funeral. There, there's something there. I can't work my way through it here on live radio, but there, there's something there that my mind is trying to grasp it as a moment of enlightenment here. We'll have to come back to that maybe next week. Um, so the chariot shows us a, a developed, mature process of extreme control, extreme uh, will, the mind and control. But there's a very interesting thing here. Um, we notice the chariot also, uh, the charioteer uh, also carries a wand like the magician and like the emperor, the, the idea of control. But he's not raising it over his head. He's not holding it imperial, imperiously. It's very relaxed. Very relaxed. He's got the wand. He's got the um, uh, got, got the symbology. So we see in this um, symbolism uh, all the previous uh, cards, male cards. There, we got the magician. There's water. There's sphinxes. There's a veil. He's got the high priestess's veil. Um, we got the landscape from the card of the empress. Uh, the city from the emperor's card the shoulder plates from the Hierophant, and the Linea Mignoni, which symbolizes the lovers. So all these forces uh, come together in the charioteer. Who would have thought, looking at that card, which is usually overlooked in a lot of divinations, it's like, here's a journey, that it combines all the power of the previous cards, and yet it's a sitting there. Look, look how solid it is, how immobile. The charioteer doesn't, it's almost like he doesn't have a lower body. It's like he's a centaur. He merges into the chariot himself. It's as if he's, uh, he doesn't even have legs. He merges into it. The mind that subordinates all things runs the risk of being controlled by itself, Right? Um, becomes rigid. It, it becomes uh, uh, inseparable from what it seeks to control. The that that which it tries to control becomes controlled by it. It becomes a slave to the forces it tries to control. Also, the black and white sphinxes are not really under control. They're not reconciled to each other. They're opposites. Black and white are opposites. And in every version of this, the horses are going in different directions. The sphinxes are going in different directions. This this chariot is immobile. It's not in motion. This is not travel at all. This is a state of paralysis. And this is what always intrigued me about this card. This is not a journey. This is a chariot that's being pulled in two different directions. And and all these cards, the horses are not in motion. The sphinxes are not in motion. They're in two different directions, and the chariot is not moving. What do we make of that? What do we make of that? So now we're, we're bringing into this the idea of competition, opposing forces. The charioteer is very focused, though. He's always looking off into the distance. Um, so here's a focused mind, a very powerful mind, very powerful will, and yet there's opposing forces that he's trying to control. Oh, my goodness, how complex. It's a lot like life itself, isn't it? 
so to me, this represents either the beginning or the end of some journey. Um, a good example is, let's say you've worked very hard toward a goal, and this is a very, very simple simplification of this, very much oversimplified. But let's say you were um, going to college, and you're working toward graduation, and all of your effort is getting that diploma in your hand. That's all your effort. You got that diploma in your hand. You graduated with honors. You got the ribbon around your neck. You got the diploma in your hand. There you stand. You walk out with that diploma, and now, and it's, now what? And you have no idea. Truly, you have no idea. Now what? You've been so focused on getting that diploma, getting that degree. You step out the door. Now what? You, you have no idea. What do you do next? That's the chariot. You just stand there, stunned. Here's the entire world. Do I stay at home? Do I go to another city? Do I get this job? Do I get that job? Do I go back to school and get an advanced degree? Or do I hit the working world? Opposing forces, right? Opposing forces. What do I do next? This is when people call me, right? They say, I just, I don't know what to do. And most people that call me are in that position. And when that chariot comes up, I know there's opposing forces, and they're equally powerful, equally powerful. When you see something like that, black and white, there's no gray area. Uh, unless you're looking at the charioteer, uh, you know, he's in the middle of those opposing forces. That's that's willpower. That's who decides the charioteer is supposed to tell the horses where to go. <laughs> yeah, right? So, you know, uh, but have you ever asked yourself this question? Um uh, you know, which is the cart and which is the horse? Have you ever asked that question? Um, uh, I'll give you a good example. There's uh, there's certain conditions such as depression, uh, bipolar uh, condition. I don't call it disorder, but bipolar condition uh, and things like this that we know through brain maps are uh, – there's there's a chemical element to it. The brain chemistry is affected. And we know that the brain chemistry affects the way people think. And they, it affects mood. And we know that the brain chemistry can be uh, improved by medication. And then when the mood improves, the brain chemistry also improves. We also know that... Uh, Recovery from these conditions is greatly enhanced by uh, talk therapy, by counseling. We know that the best recovery from depression, bipolar uh, syndrome or bipolar condition, uh, anxiety and things like this, is best when there's medication and talk therapy. We also know that sometimes talk therapy, if it's really good, alone if, there, if the condition is not too far uh, advanced, can improve the condition, can change brain chemistry. So which is the cart and which is the horse? Does the mood affect brain chemistry or does brain chemistry affect the mood, control, control the mood? And all I can tell you after decades of looking into this is that, yes, <laughs> Yes, it's it's some of each. The 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 brain is both the cart and the horse, and the moon is and the mood is both the cart and the horse. You cannot say with any degree of certainty that one is the other. It's very very complicated. Are we affected by our environment, or does our environment, or do we operate independently of our environment? Is the environment you know is the environment the horse or the cart. It's a very complicated thing, and there's no black and white answer. The, um, um, you know, I, I know there are people, well-intentioned, I know, but idiots, that tell people, throw away your meds, you don't need them. You know, they'll tell depressed people with depression, throw away your meds, it's poison, you don't need them. Stop doing that. 
you know, they'll say, oh, you can you can get over depression and bipolar uh, syndrome without um, without meds. Well, maybe some people can, maybe, but you you don't have the right to tell people that. Um, what's the cart and what's the horse? And we look at the chariot, and I think that asks the question. Look at look at your situation and try to determine: Are you the driver of the chariot, or are you the horse? And if you're the horse, which one are you? <laughs> are you the uh, are you the black sphinx or are you the, the white sphinx? And what is the sphinx anyway? Let's get into that. So, because um, <laughs> you know the sphinx asked riddles, right? And um, um, uh, the sphinx is a riddle. Uh, the sphinx asked a specific riddle too, right? So, um, well, let's uh, let's going to break this in half. Let's come back after station identification. And we'll look into the riddle of the Sphinx. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condraman Holly, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Friday, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. All right, so we've looked at the chariot as a symbol of maturity, Willpower. I am the master of my fate. Right? You know that, right? I'm the captain of my soul. I am the master of my fate. That I, I drive the chariot. You know, we're not being pulled along by wild horses. You grab the reins of your destiny, and I drive it. I, I what now? I, I'm, I'm me. I'm, I'm now. It's about me. I'm driving the chariot, right? So, the idea of human will, though, extends beyond the individual, right? It's not just me. With the image, with this images of a mind subduing and utilizing the forces of life, uh, this this can also be a bigger type of chariot, right? The group consciousness, civilization itself, unified will, the will of a of a people, of a society, and uh, carving order out of chaos by using the natural world as raw materials for cities and civilization, which is what Shiva did, right? He took this random group of gods who were all doing their own thing, the sun, the moon, nature, and earth, and forged it into a chariot to defeat the lords of chaos, the demons. And if that's not a symbol of society working together to subdue chaos and violence, I don't know what is. So, one of the chief Kabbalistic uh, connotations of this card, which is what uh, you know, Arthur Waite and uh, Pamela Coleman built into this deck, there's a lot of Kabbalistic ideas in this deck, um, <clears throat> is a, the connotation with the Hebrew letter Aeon, I-A-I-N, Aeon, which carries the quality of speech. And speech always seems to humans to be our defining characteristic of rationality. Man is the rational animal. Man is the speaking animal. And for a long time, we thought we were the only animal that had speech, although we've learned now that uh, chimpanzees and dolphins seem to speak, that and whales seem to have languages. Um, but we say that speech, our wide vocabulary and our yak-yak, and now we have text and social media, which, to my point of view, has not really added to civilization, but we connect through speech. Um, and uh, in um, uh, Hebrew um, 
mythology, Adam gained control over the animals and Eden by speaking their names. He named them and gained control over them. But most importantly, humans use language to transmit knowledge. We use words in books and words um, uh, in uh, transmitted to convey information and technology. That the glue that holds civilization together, right? So, but just as our ability to conceptualize is limited, speech is limited too. Speech, unfortunately, limits the infinity of reality. We form a description of something and we have bound it into a, a limited uh, idea of concept. We label it. We erect a barrier between ourself and experience. And if we go down that route, we're going to start going into uh, Buddhism, so we chop it off. But we look at a tree. We're not really looking at a tree. We don't feel the direct experience of the tree. We've replaced it with a concept. We've replaced it with an idea. We've replaced it with the word tree. And when we rely too much on this rational quality of language, we're ignoring experiences that can't be expressed in words. You know, this is the whole idea of mysticism, uh, the transcendent experience, the experience that goes beyond words. And we've seen this already in the high priestess. This is intuitive wisdom beyond language. Certain experiences, this union of spirit with the ineffable, cannot be described. Words separate us from that. So people who rely totally on speech have even gone so far as to insist that nonverbal experiences or experiences that can't be measured by psychological tests and by physical measurement just don't exist. We all know people like that. And this is simply because they can't be scientifically described, quantified, quantified and measured. And this dogmatism receives its perfect symbol in the charioteers merging with his solid wagon. the man merging with material reality. So far, so we, we've considered about every symbol that we, we, we've, we've squeezed the stone dry, haven't we? Except the most obvious transformation from the tarot of Mersai, the horses, to the tarot of Rider Waite, the sphinxes. And that's very deep. The Greek legend uh, tells us of the Sphinx. It was outside the uh, town of Thebes. And the myth tells us that the Sphinx would seize the traveler in his claws, in her claws, and ask them a riddle. And that riddle was, what creature walks on four legs in the morning, two legs at noon, and three legs in the evening? And it wasn't that great a riddle. I think back then people may not have uh, been as... Uh, smart as we were, maybe just the sheer terror of having a uh, lion with the face of a woman grab you in these claws would uh, paralyze you with fear, but those who could not answer were devoured. And perhaps it's not like being on Jeopardy. You know, you sit there and watch Jeopardy, you go, oh, I know the answer to that. You know, it's uh, uh, the mounting bracket of a Mustang, 67 Mustang uh, alternator. Uh, the answer is man. Anyway, um, uh, Oedipus came, comes by and uh, says, oh, I know what that is. The answer is man. He crawls as a baby on all fours, walks upright as an adult on two legs, and uses a cane in old age. And the Sphinx was so angry and mortified, she flung herself to her death. You know, rather than just saying, oh, you got me. Jesus, go on by, you, you dickhead. Just go on by, Jesus, you prick. Throws yourself off the cliff. A little overreaction, I think. But this was not simply a random riddle, this implication. All, all these myths and legends have meaning. If you don't understand your basic humanity, if you don't understand the process of life, infancy, maturity, old age, and death, then you'll be devoured. Death will devour you. So this chariot as we keep <laughs> coming back to, it symbolizes maturity and accepting your limits plus the 
importance of loquaciousness, of uh, being able to express uh, yourself with language, rational understanding of your world, how to define and express your goals, how to use logic and reason effectively, and, but not let logic and reason be a trap. Control your mind, but not be controlled by your mind to the point where you are uh, boxed in. You don't reason yourself into a corner. Uh, but there's even deeper meanings to this. The more you think about it, and perhaps I think about it too much, but this was Oedipus who arrived in Thebes after killing his own father. And now we start to get Freud into this mix. Um, Oedipus was the perfect image of the successful man. Not only did he save Thebes from this, uh, whatever the hell the Sphinx was, um, um, he became king of the city, but he did it because of his innate understanding of what the Sphinx was getting at, right? He he saw it, it was obvious to him. He goes, well, I mean, it was fast too. Uh, he didn't have to stop to think about it. It was obvious to him. He said, "It's man." <laughs> I mean, it was fast. All all reports of that story. As soon as the Sphinx did it, he goes, "Oh well, Sphinx. I know what that is. It's man." And uh, he completely understood the human condition. Um, but Thebe, but Oedipus understood the human condition, but he did not know himself. He did not know his origins. He killed his father and married his mother, and that was his tragedy. His own reality remained closed to him until the gods themselves forced him into self-awareness, and they did. Oh, yes, they did. And um, um, the oracles, uh, uh, the oracles spoke to his father, and they they revealed. That's why he was banished. Is the oracles told his father said, "Your your own son's going to kill you." So his father sent him away. Well, then Oedipus comes back, and then um, then they told him what he did. And if it weren't for the gods' interference, none of that would have happened. Um, Though he understood so much about life, and of course he uh, he played music and uh, could uh, uh, sing and play music so beautifully that he could soothe the savage beast. So that was where that comes from. Um, his use of language and music was uh, perfect. Um, he didn't know who he really was, and he had no. Um, concept of his uh, relationship to the forces that controlled him and uh, and these are the very concerns that we find reflected in the chariot the black and white sphinx is going in different directions so when we're looking at the sphinx when it occurs in divination or we're trying to get an insight into what our condition is we think about this idea of powerful will, powerful will that may not be directed correctly. The person may be successfully controlling some situation through the force of pure personality. It could be charisma. It could be will. The card implies that this situation contains some contradictions. There may be opposing forces. There may be uh, contradictions that may be irreconcilable and uh, these contradictions or these irreconcilable forces have not been brought together maybe they can't be brought together but they're held under control and uh, doesn't mean the card is negative doesn't mean it's necessarily negative um, when it's the right way up it, it can mean success it can mean victory it's victory sometimes at a price. Your personality and your uh, ability to control this means that there is victory. It's under tension, though, because of these opposing forces. Um, now, reversed, though, this uh, these contradictions, these uh, tensions, 
um, it means that no amount of willpower is going to hold us together for long. Um, it may mean you have to use a different approach. There could be disaster. Willpower alone can always cannot always sustain you. Um, sometimes, like poor old Oedipus, you just have to surrender to fate. And at that point, you turn your chariot around and go back home. Those forces, before the two horses pull you apart, you know what happens when uh, horses go in opposite directions and uh, you're tied between them? That's called being drawn and quartered. So that's the chariot. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot in that card. And it's more than just a journey. It can be journey's end. It can be journey's beginning. And there are powerful forces that have to be harnessed, lined up, put into um, harmony. Examination must be um, looked at. Are there... Um, are these forces able to be reconciled? Uh, sometimes you look at the pieces of the situation and maybe the uh, opposing forces can be manipulated in such a way that they pull together or aimed at each other and do mutual controlled destruction. That happens a lot at work, right? You have two people pulling against you. Get out of the way and let them uh, shoot each other. Manipulative, yes, sometimes. Sometimes it's what you got to do. Um, uh, maybe you have two friends that are arguing, and you get in the middle of it. You're the driver of the chariot in that situation. Um, is it possible to step aside and let the two friends work it out without your interference? Uh, there, there are so many, so many situations that this can uh, this can deal with. Maybe you're at, you're out of school, and there's two uh, two directions. Equally attractive, utterly opposite. That's happened to me many times in my life. How do you make that decision? Do you follow your heart? Do you follow your head? Many, many things. Next week, we'll look at some other things. Um, I'm going to tell you we're going to have a series of shows on the Mandela Effect. If you don't know what that is, look it up. If you don't know what that is... Um, Look it up, and it may freak you out. You may try to dismiss it, but I'm going to tell you it's a very difficult thing to dismiss the more you look into it. I'm not sure when we will. We're just we're on card eight out of 22, so it may take us a little while. Uh, someone challenged me. I said on a forum I could read, uh, I could uh, talk for an hour about every card of the major arcane, and they were they said no, you can't. And I said, are you daring me? And uh, I think I'm proving that I can. Um, Maybe I should try to tr do two cards a show, um, but they're very interesting, I think. And some people have told me that they're having a good time with this series, so I'm going to keep doing it as long as people tell me that. I guess I'll see you next week. Let's go out with a little bit of music, and we shall um, see you next week. I'm going to try to keep doing weekly shows as long as I can hold up. Bye-bye. You know the Reverend loves you. <laughs>